Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Right here on Block Talk Radio and UltimateSportsTalk.com. A great a weekend uh, in the women's game as well. We got in Baffa women, uh, the round three of the tournament of the Sapphire Series, as well as FXL down south in Mexico. And so we'll go through that. And Gridiron Victoria should be coming up here this next week as well on uh, April 3rd. And then the WFA and the IWFL will kick off. Uh, this weekend on April 2nd, the WFA kicks off. And then on April 9th, the uh, IWFL Legends Football League kicks off on April 9th as well. So a lot of football uh, in terms of the women's game coming up. I'm um, joined by my co-host, Nkishi Free, and welcome back to Troy Wilson, who was under the weather a little bit. So, guys, how's it going today? Hey, what's going on? Hey, myself, I'm doing a lot better. You know, coming down bronchitis, it kind of knocked me oh. down for two weeks. So I was bedridden the whole time. Just now get my lungs back, so I'm ready to go. Well, we're glad you're feeling right, better. Troy. Glad yeah, that you're thanks, back guys, and that you're uh, glad that you're back. And uh, bed rest is never never bad. You know, I mean, sometimes it's just your body's way of telling you you got to shut down for a while, especially if oh, you're yeah. on the go all the time. And that I am. So, yeah, so, my body was telling me, have a seat, man, you know, put me on yeah. IR for a little bit. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of people don't don't uh, um, have that thing in their head. They always think that, you know, there's got to be some magical pill that just cures it all because I don't want to be, you know, s- sitting down. But it's Mother Nature's way of shutting you down. It's, it's kind of like a shutdown for a short period of time there to get rid of some of the stuff that you build up over time. Amen. Oh, yeah, but it's absolutely. necessary. Now, you guys, um, I just before I came on here, um, I had a couple of uh, folks tweet me. Uh, they were saying um, stuff about, you know, the NFL getting caught on some on the concussion, uh, mm-hmm. you know, things that are going on. So we'll talk about that, a little bit about that and a little bit after we have the um, uh, lovely um, Rebecca Samuelson, which will be in the No Joke Football Huddle, which is sponsored by Zazzle.com. Rebecca is with the Seattle Majestics of the WFA, one of the 
top teams in the Women's Football Alliance from last year. We'll see how they're going to fare this year, so we'll talk to her about that. We'll also talk to her about what's going on with their aspect of marketing their team locally and getting, it, getting the word out there to get more fans in the stands. And then we're going to talk a little bit after uh, the round three um, to UK first down for the updates and the standings recaps. So we'll talk uh, BAFA women for a little bit um, as we get down to uh, the last part of the hour. So uh, we have a great show today. So we'll start it off uh, in a bit here, and uh, Rebecca should be coming on. But in the meantime, uh, let's talk about some of the draft things that's going on. So Troy, um, you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of top, uh, you know, basically the draft's been set. Ten, I guess it's Tennessee, or from what I read. So um, I don't, let's get your thoughts first uh, in terms of the draft. What do you, where do you see the draft in your eyes? Well, I think initially Tennessee was open to trading the pick, and I think they still are. Um, but at this point, after going to Old Mrs. Uh, Pro Day and watching Laramie Tunsil, the uh, left tackle out of Old Miss, uh, work out, I think Tennessee is just excited to to be able to um, to bring this guy into the fold. Um, you know, he, he's an athletic guy. He's big. He's strong. So, I mean, I think Tennessee is looking to bolster their offensive line and kind of protect their um, their investment in Marcus Mariota. So, I think I think more than likely Tennessee is going to go ahead and, and, and pick first, and they're going to take Laramie Tunsil. Um, but I think I think the, the the crazy thing is going to be watching how Cleveland goes with the second pick. Now, I think you know Tennessee is obviously not going to pick a quarterback. And now that Cleveland has picked up RG3, I mean, I think that's cha- that's kind of changing the whole dynamic of Cleveland's plans, at least all the prognosticators. Is, and what they expected was in the, was, they were, uh, you know, either going to take uh, Jared Goff or Carson Wentz. But I think now that RG3 is out there, and Cleveland said they're still going to take the quarterback. Will Cleveland take that quarterback with the first pick and with, with their first round pick, or they wait till later in the draft? It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Now, on, well, on your end, we'll, go ahead. Go ahead, Kishi. Sorry. Well, my question is this, because that's what I was wondering. With Cleveland picking up RG3, then with Dallas having the fourth pick, do we go for the quarterback? I think I think what happens with Dallas will be interesting. I think Dallas will end up taking a quarterback, but I think – and, and I think, you know, most people are screaming quarterback, quarterback, because they saw what happened with Tony Romo. And once he went down, I mean, they still had a formidable team, but the quarterback play was just so so bad that they couldn't, mm-hmm. you know, keep up. But if you look at the way their defense played, I mean, they, they really did a good job. They still had their offensive line. Uh, their running game started to pick it up at the end of the year. Of course, you still have Des Bryant. And they, everyone felt like that the weakling was still the quarterback. But I think when you have Jerry Jones still has an influence there, and they have other needs on that on that team, I don't think you're going to see them use a pick on the, on a player that they may not play for two to three years, especially with a court, with a pick uh, at the number four pick. There's so many different uh, aspects and players that you can get at that position that can give you help right now instead of waiting three years down the road as an investment pick for number four pick. Yeah, so I think they'll pick quarterback. The Tony goes down again, that's not an investment. That's a that's a, that's an insurance policy at this point. It's not an investment. That's the problem. 
this is a quarterback. Unfortunately, we're talking about. Unfortunately, we're talking about you know in the top five, uh, well, the top ten alone, we're talking really bottom feeders. I mean, look at number seven, San Francisco, just falling off. You got uh, everybody's. From what I'm reading, everybody's very excited for Jacksonville, uh, Dallas. I mean, there's there's the concerns there almost everywhere. So, yeah, I don't know if they they're gonna want to wait that long. You know, I mean, they they probably. Uh, I mean, Cleveland and Tennessee are just the bottom of the you know cesspool right now. They 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 just got to improve no matter what. So uh, right. Cleveland taking a quarterback again would be just a mistake. I think they sh- they technically should get somebody that's more. RG three like or somebody that's a backup already veteran NFL quarterback. I think the better solution for them, uh, they don't they don't need to take a quarterback there. They just need they need a a great offensive draft get some offensive production. Right. Well, it's, it's, and that's going to be a, the interesting part because you know after Larry McTunsil uh, comes off the board, you know the next best player is Jalen Ramsey. So I mean Jalen Ramsey is a cornerback out of Florida State. I'm also putting the safety. They lost a slew of defensive players on that team, a defense that actually played very well last year. And they lost their defensive staff. And now you also have um, you have a, a, an offensive coach, the head coach that's coming in there. It's going to be interesting where he goes because not there's not a lot of players that really project out at, past Larry Mitonso at the offensive on the offensive side of the ball at a top five position. So I pretty much think if they don't go Carson Wentz, I think they're going to go Jalen Ramsey, the corner out of out of Florida State. Now going back to to Dallas, you don't really you don't spend a number four pick on an insurance pick. And I think most people believe, and including myself, I think Tony Romo still has about three, maybe even four years left in him, even though at oh, his age of thirty six years old. But at thirty six years old, he can still play. But I don't. I don't think you'll spend a number four pick on that, and I think Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones probably on that way of thinking as well. It's not right. I, I agree with you. Play. It's not that he can't play. It's a matter of him staying upright. And even though they improved the offensive line, there was no reason that he took the hit that he took that ended that season. And that's my issue. So if you're going, and because he's taken that hit twice now, I mean, I think I read he's about to have surgery. You know, and, and to literally put a metal plate on that part of his body to keep, you know, to keep it intact. So the only other option is if they're not going to invest in the quarterback, they really have to strengthen the O line and give him more running back options. Which leads to a non-draft question: How do you feel, Troy, about Alfred Morris coming to the Cowboys? You know what? I'm I'm happy for Alfred. I, I felt like him. You know, the, the way he conducted himself. The way he played here with the Redskins, giving the Redskins three thousand yard seasons, he's always conducted himself as a great guy. And, yep. and the way the way he went out, and you know, was kind of pushed to the back burner for Matt Jones and for what he's done for this, you know, for this franchise. I really felt bad on how it ended, but I'm excited to see him, you know, go somewhere. And even though I'm a Redskins fan. I will be cheering for Alfred Morris to do well. I want to see this guy succeed. I think he's going to be—he's going to be a great player. And behind that offensive line for Dallas, and which is still the best offensive line in football, he should flourish in that system where he is running downhill, making one yeah. cut and getting downhill. He should flourish in that offense. I think so too. And then with them bringing back um, Dunbar and. 
you know, I'm still you're I'm still iffy on, you know, um Run DMC. I mean, I think he proved himself to sh- still have a lot of talent, but you know, he, it's a matter of will he stay healthy next year. So I'm glad that they brought in another running back that's proven and is still because he didn't get a lot of playing time last year, he still got some tread on the tires. Not to mention Alfred Morris has never missed a game in his entire career. So you're getting a guy that's durable and that's reliable, and he's not going to embarrass you like most of the other Cowboys have in the, in the offseason. Yes, okay. Yeah, I, I agree fair. with that. <laughs> I, I think, no, I think, he, you know, I think you're on point. He's on point. I think he's durable, very durable. He is. So, um, um, Oscar, how do you feel about your Rams um, being – did you hear that they're supposed to be the team for the um, – oh, Lord. What is the – for the NFL Summer Series, the one that, where they featured the Texans? Yeah, hard, hard, hard Knocks. Hard Knocks, yeah, supposed to be Hard Knocks. Yeah. I just think I, – I, I don't know if it's too soon, but I, I – my my idea is that they're just trying to get themselves out there again, and this is probably the perfect show to do. Um, I'm going to be very embarrassed if we play horribly <laughs> and put ourselves out there. Uh, but hopefully they, you know, they can rise to the occasion and, and be a good team. But it's it's to be seen. But you know, in the past, a lot of a lot of the teams have played a little better while they're spotlighted. So I guess that's wishful thinking. Well, that's what I was going to ask. For some reason, I thought there was supposed to be a curse associated with Hard Knocks. No. Yeah, a lot of of drama feel, but a lot of the teams just don't live up to their potential for the year, and I think it's really a distraction in a lot of ways for a lot of teams. So we'll see how, you know, Jeff Fisher and and his staff really relate to that, you know? Well, I mean, the Bengals second second time they went on hard knocks, they made the playoffs. The Ravens, I think they made made the playoffs. The Texans this year, they made the playoffs. I mean, it's it's really not a curse that's associated with them. I mean, early on you would say that, but I think that's been debunked recently with the the past success years. No, it's not like that. Our needs, I I don't think they're going to be, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping they'll do well and they'll be good in terms of, a you know, relevance, but I just don't see it right now with all the blown up defense we blew up. Uh, the fact that we don't have a durable quarterback and I know Keenum's decent, but we don't even really have a true wide receiver, a, a number one wide receiver. So a lot of questions there. And I'm very, very doubtful that things are going to go well. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm a fan. I really want them to go well, but given Carol, uh, given um, Arizona and Seattle, and even now, San Francisco coming into the loop, based on what they do in the draft, uh, unless, uh, you know, somebody can pull a monkey off their butts, um, I just don't see us being very extremely relevant. Um, last year was probably the best time we could have had because San Francisco was down and Seattle was kind of in a mix, and we beat Seattle twice. But I, I just don't see it. I mean, I'm still on hashtag firefisher, just to let you guys know. Well, I mean, nah, the, the way I'm looking at it is, I mean, you guys are, are – I don't think you can win with Kena, uh, period, point blank. Uh, but you do have an absolute stud, and this guy is going to be an absolute star in Todd Gurley. I mean, that guy – Oh, yeah. Is, he, I think, honestly, and in, in maybe this year or the year after that, he should be in the top three running backs in the NFL. I mean, there's nothing this kid can't do. So, I mean, as long as he stays healthy, I mean, he's an absolute stud. Watching this kid play at Georgia, 
if you guys ever get a chance to look at the YouTube clips of, of how he played at the University of Georgia, you're going to just be in awe of how this kid just he, – he, it, was, it was all him. I mean, this guy would take over games. He was an absolute stud, and I'm not surprised he's doing well with the Rams. I was actually hoping that the Redskins picked him. I mean, they went ahead and got Brandon Sheriff last year. Uh, but I think with the injury concerns, um, Scott McClellan decided not to go there. But I think he's kicking himself for not picking up Todd Gurley. Yeah. Um, so, you guys, we have our No Joke Football uh, huddle guest. So, let's uh, bring in uh, the lovely and talented Rebecca Samuelson of the Seattle Majestics of the Women's uh, Football Alliance of Seattle Majestics. Uh, so, Rebecca, welcome to the show. You're on with Troy Wilson. And Kishi Free and on myself, Oscar Lopez. Welcome and I hope you're having a good day. Hey everyone. I am. Thanks for having me. Hey. How are you? Uh doing well. How are you guys? I'm fine. This is in Kishi. Hi. Hey. <laughs> so Rebecca, um we've been kind of chatting back and forth, direct messaging, and it's nice to hear your voice. Um just wanted to find out what what's going on with uh tell us a little bit about the upcoming season and what's what's the expectation right now with the team yeah so we kick off on saturday the wfa's first weekend open um and it is officially women's football season which is exciting i think the other leagues kick off within the next couple weeks as well um so yeah we've been practicing hard putting in hours we've got a really awesome rookie class of a ton of great athletes who um, learned a lot quicker than I did when I was a rookie, that's for sure. Um, so I've been really impressed. And, yeah, I mean, expectations are high as always. You know, we um, we like to win, and it's going to be a great competitive season. We've also seen a ton of growth in the teams in our division across the board, which is great for all of us together. Um, and just kind of we're, we're really working hard out here to sort of elevate the sport as a whole and using our, our division to kind of – hopefully unify a little bit and work together to do that. But, yeah, it's going to be another great season across the WFA. I'm even more excited after being in New Orleans and meeting a lot of women that play for other teams because um, I didn't know right. very many women outside of our division. So that was really cool for me. Now, Rebecca, you got Holly out. Um, anybody fitting in the shoes for that uh, at that position right now that you can tell us about, like a name that we should be looking out for as, a, as the season starts? Definitely. Um, so we have a rookie named April Arnold, who's just like really been kicking butt this year. She came in, uh, she's a friend of somebody's. This is her first rookie year and she's kind of like taken to a linebacker very, very quickly. And um, yeah, she, there's some, we have some other awesome like veteran linebackers who have kind of taken her and a couple other rookies under their wings to fill Holly's shoes. Cause as you know, those are some big shoes to fill. So, um, but yeah, I think, April's probably the most exciting rookie to watch in that position um, right now, at least. But there's some good choices there. We had more depth there than um, I think Holly. Like, initially we were all very concerned, but there's some really great people that have stepped up. So, uh, uh, Rebecca, what is the change for you? Uh, Is it a physical change now that you've been playing for so long? Is it like an aspect of you know, is there anything you've done different this this for this season that you've done before to prepare yourself for the upcoming season? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was huge for me. The um, so last year was my rookie season. This year is my second year. Uh, last year I played left guard mostly and um, weighed about 
30, 35 pounds more than I do now this season. Um, and I went into the season not having – A, I, football kind of came out of left field in terms of actually finally being able to play for me. So I wasn't really expecting, and I was kind of out of time to sort of prepare physically last season, and I just really didn't know what I was going to be up against. So um, just the preparation of learning after your first season and how to go into your second season. So in the off season. Um, I basically just kept to the same routine we have in when we're in season with the three practices a week, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, and like made sure I was as committed at least on those days and trying to fill in any others at the gym. And um, my whole goal was trying to drop like a bunch of weight that I needed to drop anyway, and also maintain my strength or get stronger. And that's what I did. And it's really shown. I mean, um, just I, when you treat your body well, you know, it rewards you. Right. So I'm, you know, faster and, quicker and stronger and just feeling a lot more prepared in general. And also the game of football is, it's extremely mental. So getting that, like a little, any experience under your belt in that aspect is huge too. Sounds great. I mean, I'm really happy that you, uh, you know, you're into that mode. A, a lot of players struggle with that in terms of even to put on muscle. So it's great to hear. Um, and Kishi, you got anything for uh, Rebecca? I do. Um, so I have a couple of questions. Um, first, you said that this is, you know, your second year and last year was your rookie season. So what brought you or what was your draw or attraction to make you want to play um, professional women's football? Yeah, um, that story is a little longer, but the short version, uh, when I was in middle school, I really wanted to play with the boys. Uh, my middle school had like a lightweight and a heavyweight team, and I tried so hard to convince the coaches and my mom to let me play on the lightweight team, and they just – couldn't make it happen. So I played every other sport I could pretty much um, throughout high school. And then um, I really missed it. Like I missed being part of a team. And after college, I moved out to Seattle and kind of settling into adulthood, you know, you get into your routine. And um, I got to this place where I was just working all the time. And everyone I knew in Seattle was um, a coworker, which was amazing. I had a lot of great coworkers that are still great friends, but um, I really needed a community kind of outside of that. And um, when I was in college, I went to school for engineering and I lived on a floor of all women. And we kind of always, there was a group of us that would always play the intramural flag football tournaments and stuff. And we would joke that when we dropped out of engineering school, we would go play lingerie football because it was like brand new around that time. And it was uh, novel, kind of a novelty and it was on MTV. And anyway, um, but I never actually knew that there was like football, football 11 on 11 style to be played. And so anyway, when I got to Seattle, I, kind of stumbled upon it on YouTube one day when I remembered that women do play football out there in the world and was kind of wondering if the sport had grown and it had, and it happened to be kind of in my backyard. So it sort of all fell together and I ended up finding the team like a week before training camp last year. So the timing was perfect. And um, yeah, and it's been incredible. A, I have just a really awesome community out here with all of my teammates now. And um, I've kind of merged that with the smaller community I had before. And um, it's made Seattle like, home for sure for me well and it certainly must have helped that you stumbled upon one of the top teams in professional women's football yeah that didn't hurt <laughs> well that was yeah well Amy Barnsley I answered my second question because I know like you do a lot of the social media for your team so that was going to be my second question was you know what was your um background were you you know was it in communications um or were you in a different field of study yeah um my background is 
Um, so I went to college for engineering, for materials engineering, which is really random um, because I wanted to work in, like, sports or the outdoor industry, um, making, like, apparel, basically. Or, like, I worked for Columbia Sports for briefly and during an internship doing, like, their Omni Heat type fabric and stuff. So I initially thought I'd go that path. Um, and then I sort of stumbled into the tech startup world and fell in love with, like, all things digital marketing and um, ended up kind of finding my niche among people who are really into numbers and marketing and, like, the marketing analytics type crew, which is um, fun and gave me a lot of good experience in a lot of different channels, like social media and email and paid acquisition and just kind of when you do the analytics side of it, you get to work with a lot of different teams. So um, the Majestic is great because I get to kind of work out a strategy, and I have um, actually an old college friend of mine who moved out to Seattle after I did um, helped me with all of our, like, marketing and social media, Colleen. So um, we work together, and she's also our um, mascot, which is cool because she was the hokey bird back in the day. Um, so she's also a little <laughs> marketing powerhouse. So the two of us, um, yeah, we just kind of have done it, and um, we were both in the same sorority in college and did a little bit of it back then. So um, we know a little bit about trying to kind of, like, herd grown women and steer them all in the right direction and trying to get them all to put all of their energy behind something, you know, and making it as efficient as possible. But we have a lot of fun with it and we're, we're really trying to expand the marketing and the brand this year. And um, we, you know, we really feel like it's going to be on the local areas and the local teams to kind of drum up support within their areas. And that's really what's going to make the difference for the sport across the nation. And, uh, we just really want to make sure we do our part and build a really strong brand out here and represent women's football well. And, um, yeah, and I love – that was another fun part of New Orleans was talking to other teams about what they do and kind of brainstorming ideas with them and what they can do locally and both digitally and on the boot, like boots on the ground kind of thing. And there's a lot you can do. There's um, There's a lot of opportunity out there. People tend to love women's football once they find it and once they figure well, it out. Um, and that so. was why I, and that was my thing because, um, you know, that's my, that's also kind of my niche is, um, communication, mm-hmm. I'm a communications professional. So I love, um, you know, all things like you, you know, marketing, branding, um, totally public relations. And, and, and that was one of, and, you know, that has been one of my biggest, you know, issues is, how and where and what are we doing to increase and improve awareness and enhancement? And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm thinking because one of the ways to grow the sport is to help people find a reason to love the sport. So, for example, here in the D.C. area, we have the WNBA. And even though I love our Mystics, they've always been a decent team but they've never been one of the powerhouse teams like the Liberty or the Sparks or, you know what I'm saying? Right. Or, mm-hmm. you know, or the, and I can't, or the Comets or and I can't think of San Antonio's team. But, you know, the Mystics have held their own. So one of the things that they did was they said, fine, we'll make this the family place. And so they really targeted their audience to family and, and, and really, you know, making yeah. this the place where people want to bring their kids and bring their families. And so that's what I'm saying. And that has really helped to grow the Mystics as well as the school, um, the men's team, you know. So, like, you can go to a Mystics game, and it's nothing now to see one of the um, 
Redskins or even um, a member of the Caps or if they have time, you know, sometimes you can even see some of the Nats players. And so that mm-hmm. also has helped give validity to the sport and to these ladies as professional athletes when you see their male peers coming to watch them play. And so do you see that kind of support, especially in Seattle? Because I know Seattle is all about their football, and you guys are all, you know, the Seahawks are all about the 12th man. So do you guys have right. a 12th man? Yeah, so we, um, we're we definitely trying to accomplish the same sort of feel, like you were saying, with the family. And um, actually just today I was talking to a um, um, what is she, what's her title? Like a events director at a senior citizen like residency home because they go on field trips and they take their residents on field trips and there's nothing and they already love football so why not bring them to a Majestics game for a field trip you know and like trying to cover that wide gamut on the other end you know we work with like the local Girl Scout troops and usually once a year we have them out for a game and they do the little pregame like. Um, lineup announcement tunnel with us and so we try to integrate them on, not just uh, kind of getting them to our games but then trying to go a step further and really getting hands-on in the community as much as possible um, on the other side too there's sort of that player development pipeline that women's football currently lacks and if you look at the women's sports that are really succeeding you know basketball soccer hockey uh, they all have talent pipelines that we don't have there's youth programs for all of those sports there's high school varsity programs for all those sports for women in all those sports um, and then of course college and so on and so forth and it gives you a chance to uh, when you kind of integrate yourself into the community more you get a chance to sort of build that pipeline as best you can without expending resources and time on top of the time we already put in and our full-time jobs. So um, we try to get involved with the high school that we play at and things like that. And then in terms of um, kind of the people in our area who could lend credibility to us, um, (laughs) that's a interesting topic. You know, we love the Seahawks. We're all Seahawks fans. We're all 12th men. Uh, Well, we have a couple 49ers fans on the team somehow, but anyway, uh, we're all NFL football fans in general and, We'd love to kind of work more closely with the Seahawks and um, and also the other kind of football programs in our area. You know, UW has a traditionally strong program um, and, like, a fantastic staff. There's a couple D2, D3 schools in the state of Washington. Uh, Vancouver, which is about three hours away, has the BC Lions. We've been kind of exploring an option there with kind of supporting their club and they support ours. And so there's definitely avenues out there, um, but – I think one of the things we run into is that people, when we tell them our story, it's really hard for people to not understand that this isn't a rec league. It's really difficult to understand the concept of a, uh, of a group of grown women who work over 40 hours a week, also putting in 10 plus hours a week to play football and then traveling every other weekend for games and then traveling for playoffs out of state and then, you know, doing all these things. And on top of that, there's the team USA players who play internationally. And so it's, it's, it can be difficult for people to understand that this is a, this is a serious thing in the player community and the fan community. The fan community is growing, but the player community is huge and it's growing extremely fast. Even if you just look at the number of teams in the WFA over its existence, it's insane, the growth. So the idea that we, that we're not currently capitalizing on that um, is something I think that is sort of holding us back a little. So for instance, it can be a little difficult talking to people about like sponsorships because they don't, understand why they would give us money instead of the local like youth baseball team um, because they're kids and they don't have any money and we're adults with jobs and this is something we do for quote unquote fun. And so it can be hard to kind of combat 
that more so than to combat women's football. Like people are cool with women playing football. They love it. And when they see it, they really like it, but they don't quite understand the actual system. They don't quite understand the league. They don't, there's not enough exposure to uh, how all of it kind of plays together. And New Orleans, I keep bringing it up, but New Orleans was really the first opportunity that the world got to see all of us in one place and all of us like working towards a common goal. And then from there, they sort of learned about individual teams. But even then, um, I was really surprised at how difficult it was to get like local press about going to New Orleans, which was like a cool opportunity. And whether you were the DC Divas who brought, I think 20 plus players or the Majestics who brought seven, um, I thought that would have been an awesome opportunity for some like local news stations and people weren't super interested. They, they just didn't quite get it. And then after we went, I got some emails back that were like, Oh, okay. Now I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, let's talk and let's do a story and wins your games. And, then they kind of got interested, but there's, there's a disconnect between sort of what the public thinks about the sport that we're playing and how serious we are actually playing it. Uh, and I think that is something that we need to kind of figure out how to overcome as a league and, and more even as a community of players across leagues. I think I went on. In case you but... <laughs> no, I, no, I, no, 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 you're right. Because you've actually hit on all my points. It's just amazing to see someone else thinks along the same lines as I do, because, you know, um, and that's all I really, I mean, you, you, you're right. You've literally <laughs> have hit every single point that I have made in the past year and a half that I've been doing this show in terms of media and marketing and, um, you said something that was really key that I don't think we've ever addressed is the fact that people don't see what you're doing as anything more than a fun rec league. And I think that mm-hmm. is, that's, that's a, that's an interesting thought. I'm going to chew on that uh, for the next show. Uh, you mm-hmm, definitely yeah. gave me something to think about for next week. Cool. So Rebecca, I think um, uh, the, yeah. well, well, one of the things that, that, you know, um, that I've, that, I, I was kind of thinking about here is that, uh, unfortunately, for a lot of things to catch on, it, sometimes it has to be, um, you know, sort of a popularity contest or someone mm-hmm. vouching, um, you know, for the product. And I think, you know, uh, and I wanted to get your your thoughts on this. I mean, because we, I know you spoke on, you know, maybe doing something with the BC Lions, the Canadian Football League, to actually have some support, which was universal support for, you know, women's football in itself with the Saints down in New Orleans. Um, and for someone, you know, for them to come out, you know, a, a you know, highly visible team, for them to come out and actually support USA football, do you think that was a step in the right direction as far as getting more promotion for women's football in itself? Oh, for sure. I mean, the sort of media statistics alone about the week proves that it's certainly a step forward, even just kind of factoring the number side of things. But beyond that, um, Sam Rappaport, you know, who kind of put the whole thing together with um, Faust, she, she told us, you know, she pitched every NFL team and the Saints were the only ones who said yes. And then after they said yes, they said like, yes, we're going to do this, but we're also going to do a thousand other things. I mean, they, it was incredible. The facility we were in was just like this mecca of football, and we felt so fortunate to be there. And I sort of, you know, we sort of walked in like bowing down to the Saints, and then when we arrived, they were bowing down to us. Like they were so happy to have us. They opened up their doors for us. They pretty much gave us 
free run of the place. Um, we could get there like before the day started and get warmed up and practicing and we could stay late. And I stayed late one day and just snapped all like I long snapped for our team and um, just like practice my snapping while my coach was finishing up a meeting and they were just, just completely cool with everything. So I think that was huge. I think it was huge for them to sort of say, Hey, we see you guys. And we know that you're athletes and we know that you're serious about this sport and we know that you're knowledgeable about the sport and we, we want to support that. And the quality of the coaching was, I mean, just absolutely next level. And, and also just the time, you know, in the week that we were there, I put in the same amount of hours that it takes me in Seattle a month to put in via practice because we were just able to be completely focused on football and it was all day, every day for six days. Um, and for me to be able to get that much time here, it takes me a month. So the growth from even like when I showed up to when I left was huge. Like when I left from Seattle and when I came back to Seattle, I felt like a completely different player. I felt like I understood the game better. I felt like I'd finally had a chance to just really dial down on the fundamentals. And so anyway, so for them to take this opportunity and just really make it incredible, not to mention they kept it really cheap for people to attend. It was um, like, it was far more the travel was far more expensive than the camp was um and yeah it was incredible so you know we hope that mr benson when he goes to his owners meeting and tells the other nfl teams like hey look what we did and look how cool it was um we hope that that's something that they'll say like okay what's going on in our area like who's out there and what are they doing and and even the last day of the world games the saints essentially opened it up to the public and they said like we didn't advertise it heavily obviously but if you had friends or family in town or people you randomly met out throughout your week and you invited them to the games they were allowed to come which was great for the people who live there because they've always wanted to see where Drew Brees practices so they get out there to see that and then they also see women's football and they see some high quality women's football that is just fun to watch and they realize that like this isn't any it's this isn't different it's like, of course, it's its own thing, but this is something that I can also kind of fall in love with as a football fan. And so it helps both teams. It helps foster that connection with the Saints for all of their female um, fans as well as the ones who got to see it in person. And, and we kind of hope the other NFL teams will take that away. And I had a really great conversation with the um, woman who's in charge of marketing the BC Lions. And we were talking about that kind of exact thing and how it's a great way to sort of foster those local community connections and and the NFL teams, if they leverage their, like, local women's teams, they'll be able to insert themselves into this level of intense football fans at a very grassroots level who are already probably huge NFL team fans. But it just, I don't know, you, it's a different level of fan connection. So hopefully the Saints will kind of show that off and the other teams will uh, kind of jump on the bandwagon. But I would love to see some regional camps come about and, um, see if we can get an NFL team in every region to kind of step up and host a, you know, regional version of what we did there. And during um, next next year, the next couple of years, that would be that would be incredible. So, and it's, it it'll happen. It, it it will one day, but um, we're definitely closer. Well, I mean, I, I think that's the next steps. I mean, mm-hmm. the NFL is, is all about spreading the popularity of the game, and what we're seeing mm-hmm. is. You're seeing an influx of, of the Women's Football League, but you're not just seeing it here domestically. You're seeing it global. And so the NFL has this, you know, this big initiative, <clears throat> excuse me, to um, to spread the game. I mean, they're playing games in London. 
several times a year. Now they're moving. They're going to play some games in China. They played games in uh, in Mexico several times before. You know, so they're even looking to. Uh, I think they're playing. They wanted to play some regular season games over in China uh, in maybe in 2018 and 19. So they're trying to spread. You know, they're they're trying to get people involved in the game. And I think to your point, it would be a great thing if you know the NFL owners got together and said, listen, you know, helping out the women's um, football leagues and helping them promote their product, and it's a good product, and you're, you're showing people, you know, and the ladies out there are playing with fundamentals, it only extends your brand. It only helps you out in that, in that, in that point. So I, I would love to see that same thing going along, especially, you know, with you guys up there being there, the Seahawks and British Columbia Lions, they're already, you know, you guys are already trying to work things out. I think this is a great initiative for you guys. Yeah, I agree, and I think the NFL has a way of, um, I mean, especially in the past two, three years, we've seen the NFL sort of, I don't know if step up is the right word, but really kind of put women at the front of their marketing efforts, whether it was, you know, the nomore.org or the breast cancer initiatives they've done in the past 10 years or however long that's been going on, and now with the new Rooney rule um, with the executives. And so they're, they're, they're making their way, um, and, I, and they have a lot of, like you were saying, kind of women's, like, um, I don't know, initiatives and whatnot. And, and we're already an established product that they can leverage, and, and it'll be really good for them. And once they see that, um, it'll kind of be like a domino effect, I think. Rebecca, uh, my point has always been that they're not going to see any value until the two leagues that are existing can put together metro market teams that will just mm-hmm. add to their value. You know, nobody's going mm-hmm. to go and, you know, leverage an Everett Rain. Not that they're not a good football team, but, you know, what I'm saying is you're going to take a Chicago force out of Chicago that is valuable because it could be something valuable to the bears. You're going to take uh, a Boston renegades team that would be valuable to the Patriots in terms of promotion, community work and everything else. You're not going to take six uh, out of the 60 teams and 40 teams in the other, uh, in the IWFL and the WFA. There just, there's no, I mean, you'd be nuts to say that every team is going to be valued. No, there are just particular top notch franchises that have to be linked, you know, Washington with DC Divas, uh, Pittsburgh Passion with Pittsburgh Steelers, you know what I mean, as an example. And that's, that's, I think that's where the two leagues have to come to a plan, a marketing plan, number one, but and also an association plan, that they have to understand that in order, in order for the NFL to value the leagues, the Seattle Majestics must play the Dallas Elite. The Dallas Elite must play the DC Divas. You know what I mean? The Passion must play the DC Divas. The Force must play mm-hmm. yourselves and and the Cal, Cal War Angels, the San Diego Surge, the, the best teams in terms, of, in terms of consistency and well-kept players and, and durability in terms of on-field competition has to be put forth in their face in order for them to see value. And I think that's where, every, I think that's where the leadership on both sides of the, of the two leagues, the WFA and the IDEV Hill, are missing the boat there. They, they need to understand that, you know, I've always preached – Okay, the LFL does a great job because the LFL has only a minimal amount of teams. They don't have 60 teams. They have 12 teams. They cannot afford to put a product on the field that is a week-to-week blowout. In other words, you cannot have 
you know, Seattle Majestics taking care of, you know, whoever it is, the lower class team, and they're, they're 72 to zero. No, you have to put uh, the women's football leagues in the same realm as the LFL. You got to take the 10, the eight to 12 best teams in, in the country, and you have to sacrifice a season or two where the rest of the teams have to somehow sacrifice their funding at a lower scale, go to eight, eight on eight. I've talked to a couple people, go seven on seven instead of 11 on 11. Just scale down your product for a season or two to see if it'll benefit the sport as a whole and then, and then filter some dollars into you know, the major markets, the Seattle Majestics, the Cal War Angels, the, the Dallas Elite, the, you know, the Kansas City Titans, the Chicago Force, the Passion, the, the, the Renegades, because you know as well as everybody else, you know, and we've talked to Scott a long time. Uh, I've talked to him various times. Uh, the, the issue is logistics. You can't haul 50, 53 women on a plane across country, uh, you know, in that aspect, but you can if the rest of the, you know, the rest of the teams, and we're talking 60 teams, so you minus that by, you know, that's, that's actually 52 teams backing the 12 teams to showcase a sport to hopefully the value is there for the NFL, CBS, NBC. Somebody says, hey, we got, we got to put that on TV because that's, that's, that's right. awesome. But until and, that and happens, that's, that's what needs to happen. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the way it has to go. And if, if, you, if you're familiar at all with the, women, the world of kind of women's hockey, um, years prior they've had these right. kind of large super leagues, you know, sort of like the IWSL and the WFA, and, and it never worked for that mm-hmm. exact reason. So last year was the NWHL's first, first year in existence. Um, they broke off from the previous league. They took the four strongest teams in the Northeast, since they're all geographically near each other and thus cheaper to play right. each other. Um, and they built this league, and each team had a $200,000 salary cap for their players. The players got paid for the women's hockey uh, for the first time in United States history. And they had an incredibly successful season. They were selling out their regular season games, averaging 900 people per game. They sold out the championship. They played it at the uh, same place the New Jersey Devils play at. Um, and they overall just had an incredible kind of situation going on. They Dunkin' Donuts um, stepped up to be their national sponsor, sponsor. Uh, in the beginning, and then and then yeah, and then they picked up a couple more along the way. But um, and then this year, what they'll do, they'll expand and add for at least two, they're talking about two to four more teams in. So yeah, I think the so the big difference to me in getting to kind of the vision that you were just describing and where we are now, and the difference between making that leap in football versus something like women's hockey is, again, that player development pipeline. The level of talent of women's football right now is fantastic and it's great, but if we want to ever get played to – if we ever want to get paid to play football – I need to – I should be cut from the team. Like, I, I would like to be cut within three years. Like, I want in three years for Scott to tell me, like, hey, we appreciate you. Why don't we move you to the front office? <laughs> because that's how quickly right. and how badly we need to elevate the talent in the sport because that's what's going to make someone say, I need to put this on TV. So in order to do that, right. we need to kind of step back a few steps and talk about the youth game and the high schoolers and get these middle school kids involved like the women in Utah have done and really start building up that pipeline of talent. And whether that means we start by adding in some more Team USA teams that are U18, U16, you know, whatever it takes, or um, whether it means, you know, these these stronger teams that you were talking about, the Chicago Forces and DC Divas of the world, kind of stepping up to build these girls' leagues within their cities. And it's not – this isn't a 
two-year thing. You know, we're talking a generational change of really growing this sport. Like, I truly don't believe right. that I will ever, ever play women's football during the era that they are paid to play. I don't believe that will happen. However, I do believe that there's things I can do now and there's things we can all be doing now so that by the time – I'm ready to move into the front office. There will be a front office (laughs) and there will be a pipeline of players that are 13 right now who know that they can play football and know what they can accomplish on the field and they're confident and they'll go out for those U16 team USAs. And then, you know, when they're going to school, they'll pick UW so they can play for the Majestics or whatever. Um, And that's how we really elevate it. And then once you do that, you get someone who comes along like, Sam Rappelport, which would be amazing, not that she's going to do this or has said she will. I'm completely just – that's just what I'm hoping for would happen one day. You get her to come along as this league commissioner and you pick up Chicago, D.C., Boston, Seattle, Dallas, all these strong market teams, San Diego, Cal, whatnot, and you form this league that models kind of what the NWHL did. And then that's how you kind of – that's where it goes. And But I think – trying to elevate from where we are now to like where the NWHL was during their first season is really difficult. They've had an Olympic team since 1980. They had their first varsity state championship for women in 1994. You know, where were they were in like the early nineties. But you know what? The funding funding structure is so different too. So. Right. And Mm -hmm. so that was what I was going to say was because Rebecca, I was thinking about what you said about the pipeline and I definitely agree with that. Here's what the unique challenge is, is that for years, soccer has a pipeline. Mm -hmm. I played soccer for four or five years and I, um, and that included at least two years on the select travel level. So clearly I was good. I played in high school for one year, but I was interested in playing other sports. When I went to college and where and where I went to college, there was no soccer team for women. There's a team now, but there wasn't, you know, at the time, um, as for our entire conference. But I say this is that the U.S. women's um, national team is probably one of the most popular professional female teams in the world. I mean, they've won the World Cup twice now. And they almost won the second time against China. They've won almost three titles in the past, you know, out of the past three World Cups. That's huge. But we do not have a professional women's soccer program in the United States because it folded after five years. And well, the NWSL had pipeline. a good lead, though. Well, but here's the thing. You all have a unique opportunity to do something different. And I agree with what Oscar says. You all already have a product. What you ha- It's a matter of marketing the product and repackaging the product. And I've asked Oscar many times, why don't the two merge and do like the NFL and the AFL did, I mean the AFC, the AFL did, and become the NFC and the AFC? And if they would be willing mm-hmm. to make that merge and you guys could still keep your WFL teams in one conference and your IWFL teams in a different conference, but still find a way to get a unique joint umbrella, you can take where you are now and you can do an inverted pipeline. So if you show the product it better and that it's successful, then it better justifies creating a pipeline and saying, you know, hey, we need some young girls in college. So even if it's just creating college intramural teams, 
you've still given yourself a pipeline. But once you have these right. college intramural teams and you're saying, hey, we're going to be picking from these college intramural teams, then it gives young girls who are in, in high school a better opportunity to justify why maybe we need to have a high school intramural team until we can address the Title IX ca- capacity to create equal teams, you know, and if, it's, mm-hmm. and if it's a matter of going through Title IX to create these teams and these, you know, opportunities for young ladies to play football in high school and on the collegiate level, if it's a matter of using Title IX, and if it's not, and if it's making it an intramural sport, then, you know, that's okay too as long as you have the pipeline. But right now you've already got the product. So you've built a product without a pipeline. So maybe the best way to go about it is to reverse it and strengthen the product to justify the pot, the pipeline. Because if you think about the NFL, for years people played high school and they went to college. They were rock stars in college, and then they left and they went a job and went and got a job at the local factory. There was no going to play professional football. What is that? Go go get a real job and take care of your family. That's what a man's supposed to do. You know, you're go go looking in the early 40s and 50s, and if they did play, they still had full time jobs, just like you guys did, just like you right. guys are and doing absolutely. now. Yeah, so that's what happened with the yes. National Women's Soccer League. Like after yeah, exactly. the league folded, there's a new you know NWSL and um, the Seattle Rain are actually part of that, and they're they're like a pretty big hit in Seattle, but they still have you know a lot of the. Um, a lot of not a lot of the similar challenges. Obviously, there are they're similar to like the WNBA, I guess, and kind of their level and how big they are. But yeah, and then they sort of did the same thing with their pipeline. And and yeah, the national or the international competition is huge. And like the fact that US, Team USA is sort of the next iteration of the WFA, right? So you know you have that product and right. like strengthening that product. That first step is Team USA. And um, and I've always to get a, like do the marketing. And I've always USA. said. <laughs> And I've always said, Rebecca, that, you know, a, a lot of people will mock me uh, on social media because I, they tell me I, I put down the IWFL versus the WFA. But the only reason that I do that is because the Team USA, a lot of the Team USA members come from the WFA. So it's mm-hmm. just, a, it's just a, it basically, if I was a business owner tomorrow, I wouldn't even know the IWFL. Because if every player you go on the checklist, it will tell you right off the checklist, there's probably a handful of three or four or five players that come from an IWFL team. The majority come from the WFA. And so you would equate, since 90% of the roster comes from the WFA, you would, as a business owner or anybody that's wanting to get interested, guess what? Their mindset is, okay, well, this is the better league. This is the, uh, the elite league. And so that's where the challenge is for the WFA. They have to stand out um, in, and try to work that. My idea has always been you do a regional, just like we talked about with the, uh, with the National Women's Hockey League. They did a regional. You know, they included Boston, Buffalo, New York, you know, all the regional teams. The WFA can do the same thing in a season or two on a plan of a, t- a 24-month plan. They can take the DC Divas. They can take the Passion, the Keystone, uh, you know, uh, teams out there. You've got Boston. You've got the Sharks, who are a historic team. Chicago, which is not too far away. You got the Cleveland Fusion. I mean, you can take a handful of six teams, and those teams, you have to put them in a mindset that says you are representing the women's football to mark to the marketing world. We got to put a good show on. 
You know what I'm saying? So the pressure will be on six teams, six squads, six franchises to showcase to a TV audience or a marketing audience or even to the NFL to say we are valuable in that sense. Just like, you know, Dunkin' Donuts took a chance on the, the Women's Hockey League because they saw value in their product. The average female is probably going to a Dunkin' Donuts shop every morning. It's like Starbucks. So why not get on board with something that's new and innovative? And that's where the marketing side of it thing is going to have to happen. I think that's – I've talked to Rich Daniel before. I've talked to a lot of people. In a regional format, it makes more sense. Are you neglecting everybody else across the country? Yes. But the heartbeat of American football and women's football has to be in the face of the NFL, and the face of the NFL is New York. So the only way mm-hmm. you can – the only way you can put them up there, the Atlanta Phoenix – for example, would have to come over to maybe a league. You know, the, the staple teams in the East Coast region, the Mid-Atlantic, have to be the salesman uh, franchises for the NFL to see value and then stretch it west. You cannot – you don't have the funding. There's no capable way to do that with airfare. You don't have a sponsor. But you do have, you know, uh, an hour flight from Seattle that every player can sacrifice $200 to get in and out on a round trip. You know what I'm saying? So there is fiscal, fiscally it could be, it is possible to get a regional six to eight team league, just like, like I said, just like the legends football league does it. But because of cost, it has to be a different model in terms of the women's traditional game. It won't work just yeah. like that because, you know, it's, it's so much easier to haul a bikini and, and a shoulder pad and some hockey helmet, you know, and, and ship it out. That's so much easier. Mm-hmm. But hauling, you know, traditional 11 and 11 gear, that's uh, also an expense. So we have to be realistic on that end, too. So, What do you guys think the odds are of the, either the WFA or the IWFL or, I mean, any of the quote-unquote leaders in women's football stepping up to make that happen? Because I don't think it'll be the WFA or the IWFA. I don't think it'll be any current league. I think it'll be someone else. Like with the NWHL, for instance, it was just a woman who had played – and she played for the Olympic team, and she didn't like how the old league was ran, so she plucked up the, their top teams, essentially, like you're saying, pulled up the strongest team, said, hey, let's try it a different way. And that, that's what I think is going to happen, and I think it's going to cause problems. And I, I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow, but I don't see that model growing from what's currently in place as much as I wish it could and would. I don't know if there's too much history there that I don't understand or – too much bad blood or something, but um, but the way like the landscape looks now, I really think it's going to be a third party record recognizing the value, and whether that's the NFL or not, it'll be someone else who comes in and says, "Holy crap, there's an incredible product here, and it's growing, and right. it's not being cultivated in the right way." And all right, so I know about the Chicago Forest, the Boston. I mean, you could create a super conference with, in geographically, the Chicago Forest, DC Divas, Boston Renegades, Atlanta Phoenix, and Dallas, yep. even yep. close enough, and. Yep. You could make the NWHL's version of women's football with those teams and make oh, yeah. it good enough that they would also play their championship. And, and yeah, so I, I just – I'm curious. I, I don't know. I don't know who's going to be the one to do it. And um, I'm just saying I, I don't, the amount of – yeah. the amount of dollar investment, the amount of dollar investment we've talked about it on this show would be one NFL mm-hmm. player's salary, which is $1.9 And it will mm-hmm. only take that amount of player salary to field six to eight teams in a regional super elite league like you're talking about. So right. it would yeah. be a gamble, but at the same time, the reward could be big. 
So that's really yeah. the million dollar question. Who's going to take the gamble yeah, for the big reward? And so I'm, I you know, I, I, I think that's where we're at right now. I think that somebody has to view it that way. And if they do, then the opportunity is there. I think there's probably some people behind the scenes moving and shaking in ways that we don't know about right now. Judging by right. sort of the overall trend of women's football, like digitally the numbers and kind of the things that have been extended to us and somebody's thinking about it. Someone with 1.9 or whatever it's going to take or the resources to find it is thinking about it because uh, all everything's starting to kind of fall into place. So I think – I think there's things happening, but it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. And um, and I know there's not a single league, there's not a single team in either of those leagues, regardless of their history or current fielding, that doesn't want to be in that. That doesn't want to be involved. In oh that. no, we they, all want to be involved. You, in that, I mean, you know, when like you gonna... when you look at the when you look at the structure of the the NW uh, the NWHL like you're talking about, it, it is feasible mm-hmm. because they have the same they have the same issues with uh, travel gear and expenses with the hockey gear the same exactly. issue yeah it's it's, it's a different mm-hmm. different sport in, indoors but they have the same logistics that's the reason to your point before that's the reason they went with a certain model and a certain cap because they know the majority of their expenses is really travel and equipment and once they get that a sponsor to hurdle those two things then you're in you know you're getting paid because the reality yeah. is you know they're getting paid and and they're they're mar- they're they're valued so um rebecca I would love to sit at a coffee shop and just hang out because that's, I mean, you're just like our our cup of tea type of girl. You got so much creative <laughs> ideas and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Uh, I sit with Holly. I mean, I talk to Holly a lot and there's a, a bright woman there too. So um, oh, thank yeah. you for joining us today. I will love to have you back for another session and maybe another half hour or so that we talk about, but you're always welcome to the show. And uh, we're always, you know, tweeting back and forth and stuff. And I really enjoy your company and your insights. Yes. Um, and I hope Thank that, you, you know, things are going to get better before they get worse. And I think I with people agree. like you on a marketing aspect, helping each franchise out will really be great. And um, I'm glad that uh, Scott has the confidence um, to give you that, you know, those tools as well. And then your obviously your creativity and your, drive is going to just benefit him as well so it's kind of a win-win for all of you guys um well so before we go all of us too because of the fact (laughs) that we've got someone who also understands what we're trying to accomplish and you know Mm -hmm. and i think that that and that is also good and the other thing i have to say that i also like is i love your website and i love the the way it's laid out because that's one of the things Mm -hmm. that we haven't really talked about that tonight and i know we can't really do it but one of the challenges for me in terms of not only trying to keep up with everybody because there's 12 million teams, it seems like everybody's mm-hmm. website is different. And unlike the NFL, I know how to read an NFL website. I know how to read stats. I know how to read numbers. I know what I'm looking for. Sometimes when I'm looking and trying to do research on some of the teams, I'm like, I have no idea what they've done, what they've accomplished or anything. And, you know, so I understand because everybody doesn't have a you. Everyone doesn't have – the capacity to invest in their own branding and creating that awareness. And so sometimes it makes it hard for us, or at least for me anyway. Oscar is a natural. He's already, he's been doing this so long, he knows how to read it. But I, I, so I agree. I think that you guys are really moving in the right direction. And I, not to say you guys, we all are moving in the right direction mm-hmm. in terms of the work that we're doing. So thank you for being a valuable partner. Well, thank you guys. We love your support, and I mean, you br- you bring up a great part in, 
piece in general, just, you know, you were saying us, but just you being sort of the media in general, you know, the harder it is for you all to find us and support us, the better chance you're just not going to, you know, so we've, um, we've, we did a lot of work on our kind of digital presence to make sure that we had a place when people, when people want to learn about you and they just actually can't, you know, that's the worst case scenario. So, yeah, I'd love it. If any WFA teams or any other teams are out there listening, like we will help you with your website if you need it. And, you know, it's not, we just bought a theme. We didn't build it. Like it was, it wasn't too bad. And um, we'd love to see more of it. And that's the key right there. You know, the, the brand awareness is going to be huge. And if the fan can quickly get information, then, you know, the chances for buying a ticket are a lot greater than anything. So, um, so Rebecca, yeah. Um, like I said, uh, if I make my way over to Seattle, I guess I'll have to chime you in and uh, have a cup of coffee right, or so with you. Um, but oh, yeah. I really coffee, appreciate you networking coffee. with us. <laughs> and uh, I look forward to another chat because you've been very entertaining and we'd love to have you anytime you want to come on. So just give us a chime and we'll get you on. It's not a problem. Um, so tell us, again, uh, tell us before we go and the fans actually where they can find Seattle Majestic tickets to get themselves to the, to the stadium so they can watch the opening um, weekend. For sure. Uh, we kick off on the 2nd, which is Saturday at 6 p.m., and you can find tickets at theseattlemajestics.com. You can buy uh, individual game tickets online for your ever convenience. You can also buy them at the gate, though. I think they're 12 bucks unless you are a senior or a kid, and then it's 8 or something. But super fun, and we're having food trucks this year, so come on out. Oh, it's even better. That's going to be munching time. Yeah. Great. Um, yeah. <laughs> so say hi to Scott for me and everybody else out there. Um, say hi to Holly for me. I know she's recovering. Um, but uh, oh, yeah. other than that, I, I really appreciate you being here, and it was a lovely time with you, and we um, welcome you back if if you desire at that point during the midseason if you have anything to send out. And before you go, I forgot, sure. I'll tell everybody about Thunderclap. Oh, yeah. So Thunderclap is essentially like crowdfunding, except instead of money, you give your social media reach. So there's currently a Thunderclap up that you can contribute to, if you will. Um, and basically you sync your Twitter and your Facebook. And then on April 1st, I think I have it, I have it set at 3 p.m. Um, Eastern time, it'll send out like an automated message from your personal Twitter and Facebook wishing kind of all the women's football players good luck. And then it links to a page um, on our website that we built that has like all of the teams broken out by state. So you can find your state and which teams are in your state and then go, and then it links to their schedule. So um, join that and then share the thunderclouds so other people will join it. And then the idea being it releases all at once, gives people a better chance of kind of seeing it if we're all amplifying at exactly the same time. So I haven't tried it before. I kind of stumbled upon it. I thought it would give it a shot, but um, we'll see. Right, so you can go uh, to uh, your uh, Twitter feed, right, which is underscore R uh, Samuelson, right? Yeah, I'll tweet out a link right now. Awesome. And, uh, so, um, it so people can find it later. Perfect. So, uh, Rebecca, thank you again. It was a very enjoyable time with you, and we look forward to another chat with you and talking Majestics and see where you guys are at in the middle of the season. And so um, I want to uh, thank uh, Scott also, so make sure you let him know. All right, will do. Thank you all. Have a great night, and thanks for having me. Thanks. Have a great evening. Um, enjoy your travels. Safe travels out there. Best of, Best of luck on your you. season. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye.
So, you guys, that was um, uh, Rebecca Samuelson. Um, she's very good at what she does. She actually gets what we're trying to get trying to get to do. Um, as, you, as you guys heard her insights, she does an amazing job with the Majestics right now, and she's putting a lot of time and effort to, you know, help them out in terms of marketing and get the word out. And I know Scott's very passionate about trying to get that. That's the owner and the coach. And so, uh, you know, hats off to them for making an impact and working with BC and trying to work with, uh, you know, the Seahawks, just going to take a little bit of time, but, you know, we're down the road here in a couple of years as the NFL gets, sees value in it. I think it'll be beneficial for not just them, but everybody or every, every market pretty much. No, yeah, I definitely agree. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, sorry. I'm having some technical issues for a second. No, absolutely. Um, I totally agree. And, um, and and I think that, like, you know, we said we're moving in the right direction. It's just a matter of um, when will we get there. And, I mean, sometimes, you know, but they say Rome wasn't built in a day. And, you know, it's slowly. It's coming. And, you know. Yeah, and. We we've talked about it before. Until they make a a, a a conservative combined effort to really do something regionally as an impact, right. um, they're not going to get there. You know, it's a regional impact. And right. I've always said the value of Ameri- of women's uh, gridiron in the U.S. has to be in the Mid Atlantic and Eastern states. There's just no two ways around it. Yeah. You cannot go. You cannot go on the West Coast. It's just not going to happen. There's not enough interest mm-hmm. on the West Coast. The South. No. There's, you know, SEC, ACC, I mean, the college hotbed, college football um, is basically East Coast. And you, if, if you're going to make a, a footprint or even some sort of, you know, making somebody aware of your branding, it has to be done near, near the NFL, you know, headquarters. It cannot be done anywhere else because if they see the value near there, then they understand, you know, New York, they understand Washington, they understand right. New England, you know, Atlanta, you've got a better opportunity for some to view. You do it on the East Coast, it's it's not any a value out there. Not to say that they don't care. Well, it's just, and it's, no, not, but it's, it's it, not hardcore. It's got to be, no, it's got to, not only does it have to be regional, but, you know, like I've said, one of the things that has really built up the presence for the WNBA, or at least for the Mystics, is that the Mystics have the support of the other players. So if you focus on your regional teams and start off small, you know, maybe, you know, maybe make it 14 total teams, you know, seven in one league and seven in another, you know, kind of thing. Or, um, or maybe it would just be two divisions. It would just be two divisions. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I mean, two divisions. Well, but either way, yeah, however you want to set it up, but just, you know, make it, keep it at eight, but then make it in the sure. bigger cities where you have major athletic presence already. Like, as much as we love the Tennessee Titans, well, actually, Nashville has the Titans and they have a hockey team, but that's it. You sure. know, you've got to have to go to a city that has multiple sports. You're going to need, even though D.C. is not, blowing things up in terms of their athletic teams, or but you've got a Dallas, you've got a D.C. You can't go to Jacksonville right, right. where all you've got is the Jaguars. You know what I'm saying? Right. No, well, I'm saying, it, you know, you can go to a Chicago, you can go to Detroit, 
New York. Right. Um, you can even go Charlotte. Charlotte is not, you know, Charlotte has a hockey team. They've got a basketball team and a football team. You've got to go to a place that has at least, you know, three majors. So, the demographic um, is what we're talking about. Exactly. Yeah, we got to have the demographics can, in order for you to pull you people can build in. Right? That, yeah, we can build that bridge. Well, no, absolutely. Well, well actually, speaking, uh-huh, no, go ahead. Um, you were about, we're about to no, jump into the No Joke Huddle. No, 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 that's fine, because I, I was going to say, um, sorry for cutting you off, because I know we're about to jump into the huddle. So. Yeah, no, uh, I think it's just, it was good. To, it was great to have her on and, and to give us a different perspective and on the same mindset that we're at. Um, so I, I'm, I'm hoping that, like she said, down the road here, somebody is going to, you know, see the value in it. And we're all hoping for that because it's it's a great game and uh, it needs to be some of the best players in the world are are not being showcased right now and then that's what that's what we need to do we need to bring them to a viewership and once that once okay. that's drawn in people will be drawn into it um well speaking Troy, of we're going uh, we're going to go into the, the huddle oh I'm sorry Oscar before we jump into the huddle I actually wanted to piggyback one last time on what you just said um sure this weekend of course yesterday I was at the White House for the Easter egg roll. And a great, you know, example of what we were talking about was, of course, the DCD was were there, and they were partnered with the NFL's Play 60. And right. um, throughout the whole, you know, thing on the White House, they had different stations, and the um, DC Divas were partnered with play, the NFL's Play 60, and they had a whole section just for football. And so they had um, they had three different um, rows of obstacle courses set up for kids to you know do some football drills, you know, um, jumping through the hoops. And they had the little you had to push the little men to the side and you know all of that. So one, it was great because the divas were there. They were in their uniforms. They had their names, and you know they were great with the kids. And what I really saw was there was an interest by girls to do well because they saw other female football players. And that's what we mean by the exposure. Um, and mm-hmm. people were asking them questions, you know, well, you're a real football player, and yes, and they had the trophy, which I actually got to take a picture with the trophy. Um, I saw you know, that. But they had their, yeah, so they had their trophy, and they had it showcased. And, and, you know, but again, they were doing exactly what we're talking about, in terms of building that brand awareness and to do it on a major national stage, which is the White House, because there were 35,000 people there. Now, right. of course, not all 35,000 so were able to do everything, but, you know. The good thing the good thing there is, you know, you're a mom and you got two kids. Yep. The good thing is there yep. you got to see, uh, you know, you got to see the awareness of the sport where in other places you wouldn't. And the fact that the fact that, um, you know, I would say POTUS. I would say POTUS is so much so much uh, shorter. But the fact that uh, President Obama and, uh, and the First Lady thought of them as you know, especially in the D.C. area where their their haven is, and mm-hmm. to, for them to be honored as national champs for the first time, I don't think it's, it's the first time. Yeah. I think or second time. I want, I want to say it's the second time. I think the the Boston militia were also honored at the White House, if I'm correct, but I could be wrong. Uh, but they, they, it's only been like one or two times that the, a national women's gridiron team, you know, American football team, uh, was actually, you know, acknowledged at the White House. So that's a stepping stone right there. It's a, it's a good step. 
No, it absolutely is. And again, you know, there were people from all across the country. You know, I um, had on my sorority jacket and I kept getting stopped by um, AKAs literally from all across the country and took pictures. Um, like I, I took a picture with one lady from uh, Ala, from Alabama. And, um, and so that's what I'm saying, just having that opportunity not only did it create exposure for the divas, but again, for the sport, because now you're running into people from other parts of the country who never heard of professional women's football. And so now maybe they're mm-hmm. going to go back and say, you know, maybe there's a team in my area too. And of course, having the chance, like I said, to talk to the young ladies, even my own daughter. And and this one is kind of the, the, the prissy one. And she was like, mommy, do you think I could play football too? I'm like, and I gave her the side eye look because this is the one who, who, you know, only wants to. And then, again, there's nothing wrong with this because I'm a diverse athlete, but this one only wants to do gymnastics and, you know, and cheerleading So um, and dance. And I was like, oh, well, it just never occurred to me that she would want to do something with that level of physical interaction. But watching her hit those obstacle courses, you know, holding on to the ball, it was like something changed inside of her. And that's what I mean by experience and opportunity. Yeah. So anyway, so sorry for holding up the huddle. No, we're good. Um, so, you know, the, the, the whole thing is, you know, we just got to, we just got to keep going with the awareness. I mean, internationally it's growing like Troy's point, it's going to grow even better and bigger as soon as, you know, the NFL start to expand into the international um, we'll get into it next week because I think we're going to run out of time a little bit, but we'll talk about the international scope of the NFL next week as a topic and just kind of like find out exactly, you know, what our thoughts are in terms of the growth of the sport. But um, the uh, Granada Victoria, Troy, we kind of recapped that last week. So uh, at this point, I'll just give you the, the fact that week six will feature two, two ba- a battle of winless squads as Melbourne Chargers will take on the Berwick Diamonds. And then we have the Clash of Champions. Uh, it's a rematch similar to what we will see on April 9th in D.C. It's the Geelong Bucks. Uh, they're taking on the Northern Raiders. And as, as we recalled last year when we, we were mentioning it to them, the Raiders had run the table up to the final championship game. And lo and behold, uh, Geelong had been beaten during the season by them. And then in the finals, somehow they muster up the win and they beat the undefeated Raiders. And in the final. So uh, coming week six, which is next week, April 3rd, this coming week, I mean, April 3rd, you're going to see Raiders trying to see if they can get revenge on the Bucks, or will it be the Raiders or the Bucks again, beating them uh, one more time and disappointing them. Um, and then you're, you're going to see uh, somebody win. We have 0-4 Diamonds and 0-3 Chargers. One of them will get their first win of the season in 2016. So um, oh, wow. let's go into – Let's go into uh, – and Kishi, let's run us through the North American news and notes as we go into the uh, women's recap. Certainly. Well, the Utah football um, – sorry, the Utah Girls Football League is now taking registration. And if you are interested, you can visit their website at www.utahgirlstackle.com. And this is their second season, and the registrations will be open until April the 2nd. So you got to hurry up and – Register by the end of this week. Again, that is www.utahgirlstackle.com. If you're looking for them on Twitter, you can follow them on Twitter at utgirlstackle. Also, you can follow the WWCFL or the MWFLF 
um, football on Twitter for all of the schedules. Again, you can follow at WWCFL or MWFLF football uh, on Twitter for two, for the 2016 season. And the links will show that they are kicking their season off in May. You can also visit um, the Western Women's Canadian Football League, which is the WWCFL. Um, and you can visit their site at www.wwcfl.ca, and the CA is for Canada, when you're doing international. Again, www.wwcfl.ca, and that is to get information on the Western Women's Canadian Football League and to visit their site. Also, you can visit um, the NWFL at pointstreaksite.com. Um, the Sugar and Spice Football League season will also kick off in May, so check out their schedule and get their season tickets at www.sugarandspicefootball.com. So, Oscar, you've got the WFA news? So the WFA season kicks off this weekend, April 2nd. We are going to be, uh, well, I say we, but Nkishi and Troy are going to be in D.C. on April 9th for the D.C. Divas defending their championship on their home opener against the Dallas Elite. Um, so you can go to dcdivas.com uh, and you can get your tickets there. But uh, the Seattle Majestics, as we talked to Rebecca Salmison, uh, they started a thunderclap campaign for the April 2nd USA Women's Gridiron League season. It's kind of a blitz email type thing on social media. You can help this awareness project by allowing thunderclap to post a supportive message on April 1st. Um, so you can go to uh, at underscore R Samuelson, S-A-M-U-L-S-O-N, um, and you can get the link there for the Thunderclap, and you can actually join in the fun and get that posted on April 1st. Um, uh, the 2016 season schedules are up now on both U.S. League's websites. Follow at Twitter at WFA Football or visit the uh, WFAFootball.net site, WFAFootball.net, or you can go on Twitter at IWFL or visit the IWFLsports.com site, IWFLsports.com, and you can print out the schedules there. And those are usually updated week to week in terms of standings and results. Uh, WFA trading cards are being produced for the 2016 season by Doji Mello, featuring WFA stars. You can visit WFACards.com, and you can search for your favorite team, player, or regional superstar. You can catch the latest WFA Nation series, Talking Women's Great Iron Topics, and how to improve the sport as a whole uh, with Doji Mello. This past week, it was Holly Custis of the Seattle Majestics and Nenji Martin of the North County Stars. You can visit WFANation.com, WFANation.com, and our Facebook page, Gridiron Beauties, for the links to those interviews. You can also go to G.I. Quindom at G.I. Quindom uh, on Twitter and check out all the amazing stories of talented young ladies playing no-joke football, plus featured stories on women's football. Uh, Troy, let's go to Mexico. Female Extreme Latino action. In week five, the Jaguars defeated the champion Beach 30-7 in the LFA weekend. Now, the Jaguars improved to 3-0 in the season, outscoring their opponents up to this point 2-17. The Beach suffered their second back-to-back loss in, uh, with the week five 6-4 loss to the Heartbreakers, and the Beach fall to 1-2 on the season. Now, week six will feature the talent of the Heartbreakers at 1-1, to take on the winless Amazonas on April 13th during the LFA uh, Mexican Men's Pro Football Weekend. 
Now, you can visit our Facebook page, FXL, to get the latest updates. Uh, League of Football Monterey kicked off their 2016 campaign. And you can follow on our Facebook page for the results in the the LFM arena on Facebook. And Casey, you want to take England? Ah, sorry. I just lost it. Got it. All right. So going back to England, in round three of the BAFA Women's 2016, the Sapphire Series played out this past Saturday and left some more teams bruised and battered. But round three saw champion the um, Birmingham Lions and the London Warriors looking to clash if they continue their dominance. So if you want to get more information on the latest round three updates and coverage from our network partners at UK First Down, or you can follow them on Twitter and follow them on their site at www.ukfirstdown.co.uk backslash BAFA backslash women. Again, if you want to check them out on their website, it's www.ukfirstdown, and first is spelled out, .co.uk backslash BAFA backslash women backslash. Oscar? Yeah, and that's that's a great event that's going on in uh, the U.K., so to keep tabs on it on our Twitter feed or Facebook page, or you can go directly to their site, as Nkishi had mentioned. Uh, U.K. First Down, a uh, very good networking contributor to us and covers everything BAFA women in terms of the British American Football Association um, uh, leagues out there. So uh, heads off to them for an awesome job and networking with us. It makes it so much easier for us to gather information, too. So a reminder, you can visit our Zazzle shop at zazzle.com forward slash gridiron beauties. You can save up to 50% off on a daily basis. Use the daily codes. Um, if you don't have a daily code, just make sure you use our code. You, um, and it's basically order ship 10. Order ship 10 will save you 10% if there isn't a value daily code at zazzle.com. Follow us on Twitter at gridiron beauty and on our Facebook page at gridiron beauties uh, for the number one source covering women's tackle football 24-7. And use our hashtag with any uh, women's football post, hashtag no joke football, whether it be on Instagram, Twitter. Um, you can use it pretty much on any, any platform and we'll greatly appreciate it as well. Don't forget to go like us on Instagram. Use our no joke football uh, hashtag on your post to get the buzz going as well. And we have some awesome players displayed this past week. So take a look at it and uh, give them a like. Uh, great and amazing uh, talented players out there being displayed as well. Check out the amazing, talented women playing American football globally on our social platforms every week. Um, Troy, you can say us off. I want to give a thanks to Rebecca Samuelson of the Seattle Majestics for her insights. I mean, she's a very smart lady. I think we would all do better if we listened to her. Uh, she's got a lot of great <laughs> ideas as far as the direction of women's Agreed. football. So I definitely want to give a big thanks to her. And just a reminder, women's football kicks off this weekend, uh, April, t- April the 2nd in the USA. That's the WFA, the IWFL, and FXL Mexico, uh, the PGFL Mexico, and also in Gridiron Victoria. And plus the next week in April 9th, FXF Mexico and the Legends Football League, they also kick off. So we are starting to wind up. It is officially football season. You guys start to gear up. And so here we go. It's the stretch run is about to start happening, guys. And don't forget, if you do want to be on the show, all you have to do is email us at gridironbeauties at gmail.com, and we can get the word out on your team, league, or profile of player toward the 2016 season. Oscar? 
Awesome. So uh, go to GA Quindome, check out all the amazing stories of the talented young ladies playing uh, no joke football and check out the, uh, the BBA store.com from our other network partner, which is miss grid iron nine, which is um, a popular site. And she does basketball, football and everything else on that site. So check out the BBA store.com for new specials from at miss grid iron nine. You can follow her on Twitter as well. Follow the at Women's Gridiron from Australia and keep up to date on all the action um, for Australia at Women's Gridiron at Jawslog46. Uh, you can follow him for the latest news on FSX Mexico and anything else Mexico-related within the Women's Gridiron League. Don't forget to follow us, all of us, on the latest NFL news at Gridiron Beauty on Twitter primarily, but you can also talk NFL all the time with our co-host uh, in Kishi uh, Free, which is at Kishi's Cuties, K-E-S. H-I-S-C-U-T-I-E-S. You can follow Troy at Troy Wilson underscore one for any NFL and college, uh, you know, things that you want to talk about. PatsFansGirl12 at gridiron.org. So it's PatsFansGirl12. It's Eric Lynn Anderson. And then uh, Eric Brown at Fit for Life, Fit for Life, um, L-I-F-E at the end. So, uh, guys, uh, awesome show. Uh, Rebecca was amazing, and I knew she was going to, just blow it out of the park, and she did, and she's uh, marketing uh, creativity, and she does a lot of good things over there with the Majestic. So uh, a lot more people like that we need in an, and a lot more franchises in order for us to, you know, elevate the awareness of the sport as well. So, um, you know, Inkishi, thank you for, uh, uh, you know, being out there at the uh, event, the Easter, and being a part with the DC Divas and uh, posting out the stuff for us. And uh, awesome. Absolutely. I wasn't even aware that you were out there. So thank you to you oh no problem i'm so happy that they were there and again like i said it it really just falls in line with everything that we're naturally doing so it was amazing to see it and i definitely want to make sure that i did our part to help further promote and create that awareness that they were participating awesome so you guys uh i'm looking forward to april 9th next week one week closer to that date so um on periscope and uh, more than likely, we'll probably do individual periscopes if you guys have the individual accounts. If not, uh, yep, one of you. Yeah, I'll have mine uh, up by would... this week. Okay. Otherwise, I can link you up our our code, and you, one of you can use the um, Great Iron Beauty's Periscope account. So one way or the other, we'll get up on Periscope. Uh, looking forward to the interviews. Looking forward to having you guys have a good time out there with Rich Daniel and the DC Divas, uh, and obviously um, Troy meeting Odessa Jenkins. So that's going to be very oh, yeah. interesting. I look well, so, of um, course, I got to say hi to Cali. Oh, yeah, you got to say hi to Cali because you met her yesterday, did you? No, she wasn't there. I was. Uh, she was there, but she was she was there um, earlier because they had everybody set oh, up okay. in different stages. Did you meet so it? Did you talk to any other players? Oh, yes, I talked to several of them, and um, they okay. are excited about the fact that we're coming out there, so they can't wait, and they definitely heard about us, and they know about our show and what we're doing, and a lot of them said thank you for the work that we're doing. So they actually can't wait to see us on the night. Awesome. And I can't I, – I I am, like, so hyped, almost as hyped as watching Superman, Batman this past weekend. But uh, Oh, uh, don't, so don't that spoil level. it for me because I, I have to go see it this weekend. So uh, no, I'm not going to spoil, spoil it for no you. All I can it. tell you is if you're not a comic fan, you won't get it. Oh, but if are. you're a comic fan oh, – we are. If you're a comic fan, it's the best thing that's ever been done. I can tell you, that's pretty Troy exciting. Troy and I are team um, Batman. And, Troy and I are team Batman. Yeah, I, so I'm, am I. I'm team um, Batman, but I was 
upset. No, nope. don't, we'll we'll don't you spoil it for me. Don't you spoil it for me. Well, we, we know why you're <laughs> okay, upset. Okay, we'll talk about um, it next week. Um, but, uh, you know, I want to say this before we leave. Uh, it was a – I won't spoil it for you, but I will say that it was probably the best thing that they could have done for Wonder Woman. So it's it's a it's a great thing that they did for that. So um, they yes, have I can't that done. wait for I can't wait for Wonder so, Woman to come out. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Okay. So I'm, okay. Well, so don't spoil it for me, but I do have a question because my brother and I literally were like ready to just have a screaming fight about the fact that Ben Affleck played Batman. Now here's my thing: nobody has ever been able to get Batman right. I have loved I love the Michael Keaton version just because it was campy. But in all honesty, somebody that teeny, that tiny will never ever 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 be Batman. But it was but because it was campy and it was a fun series, you love it because it's a cult classic. The rest of the guys I love Christian Bale. Um, I think he's probably been the best one to get it, but my brother was like insulted that they put Ben Affleck. Did he get Batman right, or did he get Bruce Wayne right, either or, or both? He All I can tell you is it's an older it's an older Batman, so I right. would say mm-hmm. he played a, a good role. Yes. You can't, I mean, honestly, you can't expect him to be up to the standard of a Christian Bale. Uh, so, no. you know, no. I mean, to me, Christian Bale was the best one. Uh, so you can't yeah, expect him to do that because, because I mean, the, the Batman's role—he's he's older in this movie, so he's a bit diminished. Uh, he's not as you know active as he used to be. So I'm not going to tell me that. Him. I'm not going to hold it against him. Yeah, I didn't no, know that. we're not saying we're not saying that. What I'm saying is the storyline, uh, Nikishi. The storyline is um, you have the storyline just so we don't give you a spoiler, but the storyline is, uh, this is, this is not, uh, uh, the Christian Bale that we saw in, in, you know, Batman Begins so or the Dark Knight. Okay. So Dark this Knight. isn't, gotcha. So this isn't like the Batman in his late twenties, early thirties. No, 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 no. This is, this is no. a, okay. this is a Batman in his older state, but, uh, you know, still okay, relevant so is, in some instances. Uh, yeah. gotcha. when you, you when you right see here. it, when you see it, uh, when you when you see it, you'll realize what uh, initially you'll realize why the story went the way it is when you first see it, and you're gonna say, oh, okay, okay, now I understand why. Yeah. But okay. other than that, Only I think he did a great job. The, I'm looking at the because I'm looking at the Lex Luthor character. And I'm like, he's a kid. Like, okay. And at first, I thought he was. I personally thought he was the Riddler because of how they cookie they made him look yeah. so okay all right all right so no more okay i won't ask any more questions i won't ask any more questions okay i won't ask any more questions until i see the movie <laughs> okay i won't say anything else until i see the movie but clearly this is this is why we all get along so well because we were like having this major geek conversation and we are relishing in it so literally i can literally, tell i think i could do an entire two-hour show just talking about Batman alone. So that's how much yes. of yeah. I think I think we yes. might I'm, we might revisit that next week for a couple after you see the movie, then we might revisit it more thoroughly in terms of dissecting it. <laughs> but but other, than, other than that, I can tell you that DC did go all out, but if you're not a comic fan, you probably were turned off just like most of the critics were. Uh, but if you're a true comic oh, fan, gotcha. it was pretty exciting that they, that, you know, they, they put it together in that, in the way they did. So yeah, well, that's because I'm now getting ready to wait to see what um, Marvel's going to do with this whole um, 
Captain America versus Iron Man. Oh, I'm they so are, they excited. Are not they are no, I can't. I am not. I am not. I am not a Marvel fan, so you know, I just See, don't. I'm not a Marvel I fan. I just don't know why. I could never gotten into Marvel except the only character I get into Marvel is probably Spider Man. That's the closest. I knew you, know, you were going to say. I get to. I, yeah. I, no, I don't. I'm, I'm not a Marvel guy. I don't know why. You're either on one okay. side of the fence or the other. You're either DC no. or Marvel. It's just the way it is. I don't choose. I don't choose because I find glo- uh-huh. I find beauty in it all. I am a look. The only thing I have not done yet is I've got to get to Comic Con. I don't think I'm into the dressing up I thing because I think I'm cute. But I okay. But I want to go to Comic Con. I do, but if I have to go dressed as something, I'm going to be my own person and figure out my own thing because I just have no, to be my see, own yeah. person. I, I already have my You'll Bane have mask ready. I have an authentic Bane mask, so I'm nice. definitely going to Comic Con. I've and seen I'll, his nice. Bane mask. And you have, so and you have, uh, oh my God, you have so the body freaky. type, Troy. Absolutely. <laughs> you have the body type, Troy. So yes, he does. Yeah, that's you would make a great Bane. Dude, that's what makes the mask so freaky when you see it. You're just like, ah. yeah. When I walked into the it, bar with that Bane mask on, I mean, the place lit up. When it was up there for Halloween, yeah. man. So, yeah, I, I love Ouch. I love Bane. Yeah, I, I, would, I would say everybody turned pale. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. I would have turned yes, pale. I'm sure they did. <laughs> Oh, I would have went, whoa, wow, what is this guy? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but, you know, but you know what? It's it's like, it's it, it was, uh, I think it was well done. Um, I think it was introduced some, some key players. And ultimately, I think it's going to be great down the road as well. So you still have a lot uh, to work with. I think Marvel is more comic friendly, just like the first Batman movies were. Uh, DC has right. actually gotten into more of a darker stage now. And I think yes. that that appeals yeah. to a lot more people in the darker state. So that's the two the two differences. I don't hate Marvel. I just never liked Marvel. You know what I mean? In terms of a fan, I've always been like a right. DC buyer. So I don't know. See, just because I'm, I'm I I do. I, I I literally have been happily content to just rock both sides of the fence because because I was so happy. Literally, I'm not gonna lie. It took me a minute to figure out. I'm like, oh wait, these are two different. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was probably about like in my teens, uh, early teens, I had, before I, I figured it out. I had to my wife recently. She was just like, well, why don't they just put Batman against Captain America? What? And I looked at her and what? I was like, no. you didn't know. They're, they're, they're completely two different companies. So, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. Yeah, that's a con- that's a conversation that wants you to turn around and stare at the wall for a couple of seconds, and then turn around. Hey, how's it right, going? Right, because you should see my face. You should see my how's it face going? right what now. Like, you in? Right? <laughs> yeah, I had to. I had to make the face for a second. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm like have, it's blasphemous. This is bad. Right? Like. like like I'm literally sitting here like the Geico commercial. That's not how this works. Oh wow! Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like putting your pictures on the wall. No, no, they, 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 we don't wow. do that. <laughs> but all right, guys, I've always listen, been, I've always been a, <laughs> I've always been a Batman fan, and Nightwing's always been my 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 guy. So between Robin. And Nightwing, it's always been my guy. So I've always been a Batman fan, basically. So oh, see, yeah, so I Batman need to find the perfect. I need to find my character has to be the perfect mix between Catwoman 
and Poison Ivy. They need someone who, because I like Harley, but Harley's a little bit on the, she takes Pookie to a whole other level depending on how she's played. If you yeah. if you think Harley is kooky now, wait until you see Suicide Squad. Until you see the previous Suicide Squad. Man, Suicide I have Squad's seen awesome. some wow. of them. Wow. I've seen some of them. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I like Harley being played, you know, just to the left, but not to the point of of just extreme crazy. I like her being quirky like in the comic book series yeah. the way they have her that harley where she's just she's kooky but she's fun and she's funny and you just want to pat her on her head sometimes i like yeah, that I, mean, I, I, I kind of veer toward the the frank miller dark knight type of batman That's so do i so do i a huge fan i think when frank yeah, miller so took I. over and he did his adaptation of Batman. That's when I became like a super Batman stalker. Like if Batman was real, I'd be like outside of his house, be like, dude, just teach me some tips. Come on, man, just throw the right. Batman hook one time, man. That's what I would be like. I mean, that it was that but much. But nobody to me has gotten Catwoman right. I don't care what anybody says. No, I know that's blasphemy. But but I'm I'm sorry, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer was not Catwoman, and mm. the. Anne Hathaway is not Catwoman, and, and poor Halle Berry, God bless her soul. Oh, God. That just was please, wrong. please don't bring that up. Please I don't know. The only thing, the only thing that any of them have, Ugh. the only thing that any of the only thing they've ever gotten right was her body. But in my opinion, Lee Merriweather and Eartha Kitt, they are Catwoman. Those oh, yeah, two. you got a point there. You got a point there. Those yeah. two, no, and even though both cat women you know were racially different, it was just they're they're yeah. they understood her sexuality and her allure without being over the top, but at the same time bringing it home so that when she took her suit off, she was still recognizable as a woman. Yeah. Now I, I could tell you you'll, you'll have a you'll have a fun time. I I went to the premiere and I had a blast. So I went really late because I figured nobody was going to go, but that was a mistake. But anyways, mm. um, I I was still uh, I was I was in LA for the weekend, and um, so oh, it wow. worked out. I, I got it. Well, I got a ticket to go there. I won a little nice. ticket for a contest, and so really? I got a free ticket to go there. So that was an hour flight. So I took I took the oh, hour okay. flight. So and that was good. Oh, yeah. So I spent there. That was six hours, and then I got into the Chinese theater down downtown Hollywood, oh. so that's where I saw it. Oh, it was pretty nice. But overall, uh, I think if you're a comic fan, like I said, you'll love the movie because there's a lot of pieces involved from a, different comics that you've probably read. If you're not a mm-hmm. true comic fan, you probably thought it was a dud. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a lot of you know a lot of stuff like that. But I just thought it was great, and I think, uh, like I said, uh, who cannot like uh, Gal Gadot? I mean, she's awesome. So. I mean, to me, it's like she's going to do well on the on the next. Yeah, the they next better movie, not so. jack up Wonder Woman. That's all I got. That's all I got. I mean, no, they will be fine. No, they're they're good. Okay. They're good. Okay. Yeah. All right, guys. Right. So for uh, all, all right, the fans that just left us, the three fans that left us that are listeners, I'm um, just joking. Uh, we are going to be <laughs> bailing out of here, and we'll see. Uh, everybody probably tuned in and go. They're talking comics. What happened to football? <laughs> Um, hey, well, but that just shows our okay. So we just had a true, 
we just had a true Mike and Mike moment because Mike and Mike sometimes yes. they hear off topic of sports and they have life moments, but that just makes us awesome. And believe it or not, yeah. I think I just upped my awesomeness factor for all of our male fans that I was able to continue hanging with you all and outside of the world of sports and was able to keep hanging with you guys in the world of comics. So as a female, I just upped my awesome factor. Respect. <laughs> Respect. Hey, all I can say is – all I can say is somebody on Twitter said to me, why are you posting Supergirl on your Twitter feed? And I said, because she's awesome. So right. walk out. Oh, my walk gosh. Out. <laughs> Lord. Walk out. Okay. So right. anyways, uh, you know, the Flash, the Flash Supergirl, uh, you know, crossover was awesome yesterday, too. So. That's the geeky side of this founder. Oh, oh I got to go see that. that. But I, I know. I have. I know. Yeah, I will be. Look, I will be watching that. Look, I guess that's what video on demand is for. So let's hang uh, out. Hang out so I can go so I can go get my crossover uh, fix on. <laughs> oh, my yeah. mother, my mother told me my mother told me once that I would be geeky until the coffin gets shut down. So I was like, yes, mom, that's what yes. it's going to be. Absolutely. Be um, I'll be so geeky. So next my week we have, have posters. Next week we have the kickoff of the uh, women's football, basically, in the U.S. Uh, in May we'll have the kickoff of the Canadian League. Mexico's already kicking off in the past month. We have Gridiron Victoria in Down Under. So, um, hey, a lot of women's football to talk about. We've got Baffa Women's going to wrap up. So as we come into summer and into winter, not not only the NFL, but we're going to have women's grid out and be relevant too. So a lot of networking, a lot of information, a lot of, you know, a lot of work to be done. And so thanks everybody for joining us this week. We appreciate you guys staying with us with our geeky moment. And uh, we'll be here next week on Tuesday uh, for another edition of the Gridiron Blitz right here on Blog Talk Radio on UltimateSportsTalk.com. So have a great night, everybody. Bye-bye. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.